I um, grew up homeschooled. I did leave the church around age 15. I think there's something important, and this may be controversial, about having your faith be shaked a little bit, having your your morals and your ethics kind of tested. Because if you only believe something without the understanding of why you believe it, you're not truly believing it, you're only following it. The correct amount of caution is required, it's important, but you're fostering this fear that controls everything that you do. Obviously, me and Seth are Christians, and we wanted to talk about, do you take anything from your Christian upbringing into your life now? Sorry. Today's giggly. Hey, hey homebodies. Welcome back to the Introvert City Podcast, where we discuss culture, media, and faith from the perspective of an introvert's complex mind. I'm Karina. And I'm Karina as well. That wasn't funny. I'm actually Seth. Guys, we tried to re- record this intro and I kept laughing. Why are you being weird? Uh, I'm laughing a whole lot as no, well. No, I didn't. I'm laughing because of all the things. But that I'm laughing because you're laughing too. Also, we have a guest in the studio. Um, very excited about today's episode. But first, we have to talk about our weeks. We have to talk about the biggest event over this past weekend. What? Oh, the Super Bowl? Yeah, the Super Bowl. We didn't even watch it. We didn't watch it. But the Chiefs <laughs> won. Usher and Alicia Keys did the, the... I didn't watch any of it. All I know is I saw a bunch of TikToks that were like, Alicia Keys' husband watching. Yeah, what was that about? <laughs> I don't... I, they, just, they did their song, uh, that song, uh, My Boo. And I guess, you know, they were pretty close on stage to each other. But You know, I've always wondered how celebrities do collabs with other celebrities, especially if it's like a love song and they have to perform together or they have to do a dance together. I don't know. Well, I guess How it's do you like, not fall in love doing that? I guess it's like when a, like a husband or a wife... When they go to like a studio and do like a love scene with another person, I think it is weird, especially when so many films take like they'll take months, and so for months you have to act like you love this person. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, also, Valentine's Day this week. Valentine's Day is this week, lovers. Seth is taking me to a rooftop restaurant, and I'm thrilled. And I'm thrilled too, but my wallet ain't. He <laughs> he got it. <laughs> okay. So today, guys, we have. Special guest in the studio, one of our dear friends. Very good friend. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, we had our very first two guest episode with one of our couple friends, Gabby and Jojo, and they're our age, and we just talked about college life and maybe some hot topics of the day, and it was just a very chill, like nonchalant episode of us having a conversation, and you guys seem to really enjoy that. So we're kind of going in that same direction today with another one of our good friends who actually is also friends with Gabby and Jojo as well. We're all in the same group. Um, so please, everyone, say hello to Darian Good. Hello. <laughs> I am very caffeinated as a forewarning. Hi, Darian. Hi. <laughs> uh, Essential question. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? So I like to describe myself as like an ambivert, which I'm not sure if that's officially classified, but that's kind of a mix between the two. I get burnt out after a bit of time. Uh, being social, but I also do really like big social events, and I like going out often. Mm-hmm. I like a good hybrid, a good mix of the two. Very nice. Is that a cop-out? 
So don't you don't actually have to say you're an introvert? I think I'm more of an extrovert. So how do you recharge? I generally recharge by hanging out with like select people who I know can recharge me compared to a large group of people, a large group of people that I don't really know could recharge me. So you rely on people for recharging? Sometimes. It's a 50-50 chance. So you kind of come off as more of a nonchalant extrovert. Yeah, I'd right. say that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or a social introvert. A social, I mean, I think we're social introverts. Are we not? Are we socially awkward? Uh, Darian, are me and Seth socially awkward? Un poquito. <laughs> Very little bit. I think I'm a little more extroverted than you are. I think for you, you're a bit more observant than I am. Whereas I don't really, I'm not always scared of just talking to anyone. Mm. I just internalize that conversation. Yeah. And you do too, but like I do too. Mm. So, Darren, how do you feel like living as a social introvert? That was what we decided, right? Or nonchalant extrovert. Or nonchalant extrovert. Whichever one you prefer, Darian. I re- I don't care. I, do, I just like being here, you know? <laughs> but honestly, it's nice. Like, I do like to be around people very often, but I also do get really tired pretty easily. It really depends on a day-by-day basis. Mm. I really like it at the end of the day. I don't think I'd trade it for, like, being extrovert, being introvert definitely prefer just having this hybrid yeah hmm. as an observant introvert and Seth I would say you're you know the same I feel like we are very interested upon meeting somebody about their life story and we kind of want to get past the the small talk the awkward questions that we all ask and past the surface web into the deep web. <laughs> yeah. Darian could you just share uh like where you're at in life maybe how your introversion or extroversion has uh played out in your life some of your hobbies, give a little bit of like your life story. Like if someone asked you to describe your life story in five minutes and the highs and the lows and how it's shaped you as a person, what would you say? Yeah. So introversion, extroversion hasn't really affected me too much. I don't think, I don't think it's really shaped much of my life. I definitely think that I enjoy having that downtime, that me time and having that ability to be very social. And it kind of gives me the benefit of being a more social person and being able to communicate eloquently hmm. to specific people in different periods of life. I can communicate with introverts, extroverts, while maintaining that level of comfort that they receive at their own comfort time, I guess you would say. Currently, I'm an undergraduate at a local community college, planning on transferring out later this year, and I live alone for the most part. I, For fun, I kind of like to do snowboarding, skateboarding, anything of that kind of stuff. And I play a lot of Magic the Gathering, which is a card game for people who don't know. It's been pretty popular for like the last 30-ish years. And yeah, um, a little bit about my life story that you two both mostly know is that I um, grew up homeschooled, went back and forth between Cypress School, homeschool, and then eventually I ended up going to a local public school for the last couple of years of my uh, high school years. Past then, I um, kind of just wanted to go to college for anything. Went to computer science because I really like computer science. It's my current passion. And yeah, trying to find something that kind of fits that niche for me right now in a different college. A different college. Well, thank you, Darren. I appreciate hearing that from you. I wanted in particular ask, can you give a little bit more background about like maybe homeschooling? I think I definitely had a very different take on homeschooling compared to a lot of other homeschoolers, especially in this area as my mom didn't really want to put a more sheltered approach to which I feel like a lot of homeschooler parents do, especially in this area. Mm. And she wanted me to have more of a public school-esque approach to when it came to homeschooling, giving me the opportunities to have 
the social outlets that some homeschoolers that I know personally would not have had. Not only that, but she also gave me some more secular stuff, which I feel like a lot of kids, especially homeschooling, tend to get fed into what their parents believe specifically. And my mom made sure to give me a good blend of stuff that I could picture things out for myself and learn to believe what I wanted to believe. Mm -hmm. Very nice. I really, really liked how she homeschooled me. And I think it's definitely helped me become a better person today. However, I don't believe I'd homeschool my own children. Mm. That's such a good, like, nuanced approach to it. I feel like in the conversation around homeschooling, people are either so far one way or the other. Like, I would never homeschool my kids. That's so horrible to do. Or homeschooling is the only way. And I think it's so important mm, yeah. that your mom incorporated, like, aspects of a social life, too, so that you could be exposed and choose what you would want to do with your future kids and stuff. So you grew up in the church in a Christian family. Um, do you feel like homes being homeschooled, affected the way that you see the world now? I think it definitely has. I think it's made it easier for me to relate to other people. Where I feel like people who've been to private school or public school kind of get a reflection of what the world actually is. Mm. And you kind of do to a limit when you're being homeschooled, but you have more opportunities that are similar to college life. When you're in college life, obviously you have more opportunities because you're given the option to pursue things. When you're homeschooling, you are given the option to pursue those things more than when you're in public school, being kind of forced into a specific time frame of the day that takes up most of your life. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to kind of see the world from different points of view that I feel like a lot of kids from an early age never got to see. Mm -hmm. And I think that very much shaped how I socially view people and allows me to have a more well-rounded approach to seeing different people's nuances of life and different experiences so I can relate to them more. Darian, and as uh, we kind of look more into the homeschooling and even just the more faith-based side of it as well. I kind of want to hear a little bit more about your upbringing in terms of the faith side and the Christianity side and the religion side and how that's affected you and what even happened in that regard as well. Yeah. So I, um, for the first however many years of my life, I wasn't really keeping track at this point. I grew up very um, non-denominational with kind of a skew to Pentecostal and Baptist. I guess you could say. Interesting. Mm. Um, also having a lot of more non-denominational flair from the local area, which mm. kind of ends up being more like Hillsong, I would believe. I did leave the church around age 15, which I'm 20 now, so that's like five years-ish ago. And it's definitely shaped how I view my childhood, especially when it comes to homeschooling. Mm. And I think homeschooling definitely can shelter you, especially when it comes to being able to choose between religion. But I don't put that to my parents as to a harmful thing for me. I do think I was given the opportunity, unlike many homeschooled kids, to be able to differentiate between certain points of view and others and be able to make my own decisions. Mm. Whereas I do feel a lot of children, especially in the church who are homeschooled, are not given those opportunities to either explore, expand, or be able to be given different points of view without the filter of that of Christianity yeah. or religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. So how do you identify today? More agnostic, hopeful agnostic? I honestly, I come to terms with this every day. This is actually a very <laughs> running conversation in my own head very consistently. And I don't really know. I think the correct answer with this right now would be agnostic. But I do tend to kind of lay on to the, like more spiritual themes in my life. It doesn't at all relate to more of Christianity. It does kind of lend itself more to be both Buddhism or more like Islamic faith 
full ideas. But really? I, yeah. That's interesting. But at the end of the day, I do think I'm more agnostic than anything. Yeah, it's interesting because me and Darian were friends first, and then I introduced Seth to like my church friend group, and then that's how you became friends with Darian. I just think the whole story is really cool. But for yeah. years, we've been talking about faith, and I think when I first met you, you were more adamant about like maybe more passionate about why you left and and like proving me wrong and saying like I wanted to prove you wrong. We were very like we butt heads sometimes, and I feel like now we're at a place where both of us have become maybe more nuanced and our conversations are more like, let me understand you. And I really appreciate that. I think you're a really great person to have um, those types of like ideological conversations and, and worldview conversations. I really enjoy those. Obviously, me and Seth are Christians and we wanted to talk about, do you take anything from your Christian upbringing into your life now? And do you see similarities in both worlds and echoes in both worlds? Oh, absolutely. I don't. I didn't leave the church because of one thing. I don't think there's one set specific thing that made me leave the church as for a lot of people my personal life has. I left it due to an amalgamation of several things. And one of the ideologies that I kept with me from Christianity is the number one thing really is respect. I think a lot of Christians don't have it. However, (laughs) However, I do believe I like to keep that level of respect, especially when it comes to other religions. And being able to understand not everyone believes what I believe. No one's going to believe exactly what I believe. Even if I was Christian, no other Christian would believe exactly what I believe. And I want to be able to retain that respect through other ideologies if I was to follow any other belief system. Mm. I also like to keep some of the other ideologies of Christianity. Um, Being that of hope, I think a lot of Christianity is built on hope. The idea that there can be a better world. Where a lot of agnostic takes on worldviews don't really retain that, and they retain a little bit of nihilism, but I do think I keep that. And the idea that the world should be kind, and I think that's a general statement that anyone can make, but I think that Christianity especially tries to make that point. That was really refreshing, by the way, just hearing somebody who came out of the faith speak so positively of it. I feel like a lot of people leave for hurt, and, you know, everyone's experiences. I've heard some really horrible experiences of people leaving the church because they were so hurt, and it makes sense why they would view the whole faith as something negative. But I don't know. It's just I have a lot of respect for you for speaking so kindly of it. Thank you. So, Darren, as you kind of have seen both now the Christian view and the non-Christian view, I personally think there tends to be a lot of set-up echo chambers, especially when you find yourself newly into a new form of life whether that be agnosticism, whether that be Islam, whether that be Christianity, whether it have nothing to do with your religion at all. How do you think that you viewed certain echo chambers and, you know, hearing everything you say come back to you and not having anyone actually care about the way you're living life or doing life in both Christianity and maybe in non-Christianity? I'm not sure if this will fully answer your question, but I'm going to answer this best I can. I think the best thing for me was leaving a direct outlet of consistency in Christianity. What I mean by that is I wasn't only fulfilling my spiritual needs with that of Christian like outlets. I wasn't mm. only retaining Bible study groups. I wasn't only retaining church going. I was also trying to absorb other aspects so I could either judge it and see if I actually do believe it or have a better understanding of people who do believe this. For the example of I don't think – any religion should have a very minute knowledge of other religions. I think it's 
perfectly healthy to be able to have that opportunity yeah. to change. And I think that echo chamber option, a lot of people fall into it because they believe, while healthy to believe your own religion is the one, it's the right one, you should also be able to be given that opportunity to escape and view other religions in a different light. And I mm. think that really helped me, especially when it came to other people. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, so many people, especially I feel in Christianity and the big and the really big ones like Christianity and Islam, tend to feel so hateful and anti everything about the other religion or non-religion, ergo atheism or agnosticism. I feel that, though, in, in particular, I think there's something important, and this may be controversial, about having your faith be shaked a little bit and mm. be tested at times. I feel if your faith is not truly tested, I think that it can be very hard for you to really have a deep-rooted faith because there are so many times in life, what happens if someone were to come up to you and bring up a genuinely damning piece of like, I don't think this fits. This doesn't really fit what you're believing in. And your question is just, well, I mean, God just tells me, you know, the Bible is enough for private interpretation. You know, we believe what we believe. Mm. How are you supposed to keep going and understanding that? Now you're like, well, I don't know what to do. That's why I think that's why I think a lot of kids either leave Christianity or come to Christianity because they feel their answers when they were raised were not fully sufficient. And I'm not saying this about you, dearie. Sure. Uh, um, but uh, I do think it is important for people to kind of open themselves up mm. to, you know, other questions. And I think questioning your religion can honestly either help you understand maybe that it's not the religion for you or may, maybe bring you even closer, whereas for me, it brought me closer. Sure. Know? But there is a difference between questioning and you said having your faith be tested by like another circumstance, right? So you think questioning is essential or you think that the testing by circumstance is essential? I think testing is always necessary. And, and, and I think anyone in any walk of life will tell you that as well. How do you feel about that, Darian, actually, having your your morals and your ethics kind of tested as an important part of your life? I think that is the primary way to show your strength in your mm. beliefs because it allows you to understand why you believe something. Because if you only believe something without the understanding of why you believe it, you're not truly believing it. You're only following it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Darian, earlier you used the word escape. Do you feel like you escaped something? I do think that might be a stronger word that I want to use in this context. However, I do believe I did. And I think the reason behind that is, remember how I retained the idea that, um, I'm saying retain a lot today, but I think <laughs> for me, it was escapism, or however that word goes. Because I grew up in my family life in a very Mennonite-centric household. A lot of Relatives are Mennonite. A lot of relatives also are staunchly anti-learning other beliefs and kept a very sheltered mindset that was pushed upon me stronger than I think a lot of people have had. And I think being able to move across from that, I was able to escape my family at that point in time and be able to retain a more of an image of myself that I would not have been given if I did not move away from that faith. And I think that's a very selfish thing of me to say sometimes. However, I do think that removing myself from that belief has helped me become a stronger person overall. So you feel like you were escaping this dynamic in your family. Was it like immediate? 
family? Was it more extended family and maybe some systemic things going on? Um, I think it's a mix of all three. Okay. Immediate family, I did have a couple issues of abuse in my home, and that allowed me to escape from that, which was also supported by extended family, especially on that side. And I no longer talk to that side. I actually believe I legally disowned them, so they're no longer part of my family. And especially from that is I left the systemic area of some Mennonite culture, which is a very controversial topic, especially in this area. Mm. But I do believe a lot of Mennonite culture is very suffocating in more ways than religiously. I was able to escape that and become more of a generalized human being. And I really appreciate myself for being strong enough to leave that area of life. That's very heavy. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. We appreciate that. Your honesty. Welcome. As you kind of, as we kind of look more about into your family and stuff and how you feel you've disowned them and especially the much more how it seems a bit more legalistic, a bit more strongly Christian and not a great way. I want to kind of talk a little bit more about your opinions on the overuse of being scared by hell, scared by um, the devil and demons, or as many people like to call it, satanic panic. Yeah, so this is a very interesting topic aside from just that aspect of my life, especially because my hobbies. I play a lot of D&D. I play a lot of D&D. I play a lot of role-playing games. And I play Magic the Gathering as like my main hobby. It's everything I do. It's my lifeblood at this point. Darian is Eddie from Stranger Things Personified. Yeah, it's without the whole cringe part of that. But like at the end of the day, I do think that the satanic panic has influenced some of that, especially in the culture of those role-playing games and especially mm-hmm. anything that has anything to do with the adjacent to magic or witchcrafty stuff. And even though I believe it is not harmful to do so in any belief, especially when it comes to role-playing, because at the end of the day, to me, you're sitting down with a table of friends, simply creating a character and goofing off for about four hours a week. And I think that it lends itself to be more of a story over a devil worship, which is kind of the image of what that game is. Okay, so quick definition, though. The satanic panic is like... Hysteria around anything that could have to do with witchcraft or anything dark or demonic. And for example, like a lot of uh, maybe Christian moms not letting their kids read Harry Potter would be an example. Is that correct? Yes. And it actually really stemmed back in the 80s through like early 90s, I believe, mm-hmm. when it was more nuanced to have this kind of like magical, like witchcrafty worlds. And it was not understood that these are harmless because mm-hmm. a lot of the imagery that was being marketed was very, like, provocative. Like, a lot of the imagery that was being given to parents was very, this is Satan worship, so this is cool. This is cool for your kids. Like, <laughs> they'll think it's interesting because the same way that children want alcohol, even though they probably will never actually like it as a child, they want it because it's not for them. Mm. And that was how it was marketed. And even though it has That's not- so interesting. Yeah, even though that's how kind of a little bit how Magic the Gathering and like D&D is, you're not actually practicing witchcraft. You're not actually being a wizard. You're sitting down and you're playing a board game just like you'd play Catan or Uno. If I could relate kind of to this as, as an also other thing in the 80s, especially with the big rise of televangelists and very big mega churches kind of coming up in the 80s as well, uh, around the whole satanic panic thing, another example kind of can be heavy metal especially since metal was getting really, really big in metal and more harder rock was getting really big in the 80s where people would say that, you know, bands like Metallica were sacrificing things when, you know, they like they would talk about things like that in their song. But in reality, they 
were normal guys. Absolutely. Normal people. That mm. was exactly what's been happening even today. There's been a lot of issues with censorship with even rap artists recently where they've been consistently yeah. being said that they're worshiping devil. In any case where they're a little bit more provocative than they would be in any other sense. Mm. And I think a lot of fear comes from and stems into not understanding the product, provocativity or provocativity or however you pronounce that. Um, and I think a lot of issues when it comes to satanic panic is a lack of understanding. Mm. And that also relates back to, I think, a lot of people, especially in the faith, who tend to be the people who lend themselves to be a part of the satanic panic, they don't understand other religions. They don't understand other worldviews. And if they were to be able to expose themselves to other ideas, like if they were to play a game or listen to the music that was accused of being satanic, they'd probably understand that it's not. It's not even remotely close to that. I think it's a lack thereof of one and two, and also fear. Fear controls a lot of people, and I think a lot of very tightly knit religious circles kind of stem on keeping people within those circles via fear and via the idea of control. And I think that isn't just adjacent to Christianity and the satanic panic. I think that relates to a lot of different aspects of religion. But um, definitely for this specific topic, I believe it does tend to lead more to Christians. It's so interesting hearing you talk about this because, yeah, I think when we were growing up in like the, the early 2000s, the 2010s, like Harry Potter was really big, and and I I wasn't really restricted from that, and also I didn't really have an interest in reading that. But I remember all of my friends from church like couldn't read that stuff, and from a from a Christian perspective, like I I do believe in the physical and in the spiritual, right? Like I believe in a spiritual realm, and I'm sure I don't know Darian your perspective on that, but like I do think that there definitely can be demonic things and people out there I'm sure like practice things that I would like that I wouldn't want to associate myself with but for people to read a book that was designed that was you know made for kids and because there's mentions of like wizards in it I don't I just never understood why that was associated with like satanism like it never made sense for me it almost felt like people were like inserting that into into Harry Potter books or whatever when it wasn't even there in the first place. And so I could be wrong because I've actually never read them, but like that's just my perspective. I feel like Christians are so cautious about everything and the correct amount of caution is required. It's important, but you're fostering this fear that controls everything that you do. I don't think that's good. I do think that, especially when it comes to Harry Potter in my own life, because I actually wasn't allowed to watch or read Harry Potter until I was much older, which is ironic because I read it and I watched it way before I was allowed to. When it comes to Harry Potter for myself and books like that and the book source like that, I think a lot of it is, again, the lack of understanding. Hmm. My parents that did not allow me to watch Harry Potter, read Harry Potter, never had consumed any piece of media in it other than reading other parents' reviews of it. So I think it was a lack of understanding there. And once they actually did start watching it, they really liked it. They understood that it was not as problematic as it seems. Isn't it so interesting how other people's opinions will determine your opinion? It's like yes. when when we watch a YouTube video and before the video plays, you read all the comments first. And then yeah. you go into it. We, Me and Seth watch so many like Jubilee roundtable discussions. And I always read the comments first. And they're always picking on like one person in particular. And then the whole video, I'm focused on that one person. Yeah. And I'm like, they're so horrible. But what if I didn't <laughs> what if I didn't read the comments? Like, 
I wonder how that would change and if I could actually be nonpartisan, you know? Yeah, it's almost like if I could say it like this, um, any viewers, any viewers that don't know who Anthony Fantano is. Love um, him. Yeah, uh, he reviews music, of course. Uh, there's a big joke in his community that's like, uh, you know, what if uh, if an artist that you really like finally gets a bad review all the time, but finally gets a good review, they're like, finally, I can openly like enjoy <laughs> Twenty One Pilots, or I can openly enjoy oh this gosh. artist. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that relates kind of back to that with having your own opinions based off everyone else's opinion, or of a really you know big reviewers or important person's opinion. It's yeah. True. I think especially, again, talking about the faith, I think there's way too many parental sites that just kind of, again, echo chamber that idea to parents. I remember back when I was a kid, my parents, before every movie, would read Christian reviews for it and not read the actual ratings of the movies. If there was one thing that was wrong, would not let me watch it. Especially, like, those Review sites tend to over-glorify specific things. Let's say they'll say, oh, it has excessive swearing, when they'll just be H-E doubled hockey sticks mm. in Oh, it. my gosh, yeah. And it would just be that. And I wasn't allowed to watch it. Eventually, over time, by the time I was like, what, 10, I was allowed to do that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think it did affect some of my younger childhood to not be able to watch some iconic stuff. I don't know. Did you guys ever see that video where I remember I watched Turning Red? And I kind of like the movie. But, like, I, I think a big overwhelming arcing theme was, like, about getting your period. But I, that, so I was – the reviews I was watching, I was like, it's going to be about that. But this dude said I tur- why I turned off Turning Red, like, five minutes into the into the movie. And the reason why was because in the beginning they talk about how their family is a different reli- – how they're – about their family's religion for, like, two seconds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. there's going to be so many people watching his video – That'll call that movie demonic. Yeah. When in reality, the film literally talks about the religion barely in the film. Oh my gosh, that word demonic. I, okay, things can be demonic. Like, I believe that. Mm -hmm. But something can be bad without being demonic. And that drives me crazy, especially when I'm like on, you know, Christian TikTok or I'm seeing these influencers talk about how some celebrity is their music is demonic or everything they're doing is just because something is bad or you disagree with something i don't think your immediate reaction should be to call it demonic yeah because that to me that's just shallow thinking i think fully that's exactly what it is it's a branding of content that they do not like i might disagree with you a little bit about using a parent's guide for movies because i think if you have young kids i think that actually can be useful like i I don't think there's anything wrong with like going on a website that is Christian and okay, I have young kids. I want to make sure I don't expose them. Like, I think that's good. I think, yeah, when you take that and use that as your compass for, for everything, for every movie you watch and when it's not specific, when it's like excessive swearing, but there's actually no swearing in it. Like it should be specific. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was for star Wars episode one. For context. <laughs> <laughs> I was not allowed to watch that until I was 13. <laughs> Because I think they said like a fake slur in it. <laughs> and How to Train Your Dragon, weirdly enough. Really? That's really funny. Yeah. Like what I mean is a lot of those sites will be like, yeah, you can't watch this because it has adjacency to other religions. And a lot of parents, especially within closed circles, can take that and run with it. Mm. Especially because one of my parents, not my mom, one of my parents was uh, very controlling. 
especially leading into my young adult life. And that kind of did affect some of the media I watched. And it was, I was trickled down for the content that I could consume. And especially when it comes to seeing those kind of things, it allows and justifies the over-censorship of materials, especially to children that are growing and trying to see different points of view in life. Mm-hmm. So when do you feel like kids should start to be exposed to other people's perspectives? Like, Because I definitely think there is a point where it's like maybe too young mm-hmm. because, you know, kids are very innocent and I think that's important for childhood. So when do you feel like they should be exposed to all that other stuff? I think it should be generally, I'm not a parent. I'm 20. I don't have kids and I don't have that nuance of understanding what it's like to be a parent and being able to give that perspective from that point of view. However, I think it should be a case by case basis, especially if it was my children. Mm-hmm. If I was to have a kid, and they were very immature, I'd probably gradually show it to them, especially giving them points of view from close family friends or close acquaintances, but not like send them to a mosque when I'm Christian. Like I would probably gradually give them opportunities to understand that the world's a diverse and interesting place, but not push other ideas onto them until they're of age to understand more of what's going on One thing I think is just so important is to let kids talk to each other like as friends. I remember for me, just like making all sorts of friends was so important for my growth process and ultimately for me coming to the conclusions about Christianity that I did and and sticking to my beliefs as a Christian. And there was a point in time I shared where I went to a very, very strict legalistic middle school that had absolutely no exposure to anything in the outside world. And I feel like if I grew up there... And I didn't have friends who believe different things and, and conversations. Things would be so different. And I'm so grateful for the friends in my life that have shared different perspectives. I think that's the most important thing for a kid. No, yeah, same. Some of the most Im- some of the most important and impactful people in my life have been non Christians. Absolutely, especially in my personal life. Even today, I do kind of keep a friend group of our current friend group is mostly Christian. Let's be honest. Yeah, and I do keep a secondary friend group that's. Not really that. And it is very impactful seeing those similar points of view, especially when it comes to life, of being from equal, from non-Christians to Christians, of similar values. And it's very impactful. Mm. So should you not be friends with someone if their values are completely opposite of yours? Like, at what point do you say, I can't be friends with this person? Honestly, I think that's a case-by-case basis that should be governed in your own head of how well you're able to identify other points of view however i think for myself i have met at least in the last week a lot of diverse people especially in my own life and my answer to that is once it starts hurting someone if you are consistently exposing someone to something that another person is not comfortable with that's the point where i say that's not a value that i want to consistently have in my household or in my space in any form I think it depends on how much you lack morals and ethics and how much you lack a willingness to have a plan, a willingness to have an opinion, a willingness to be your own person. Because there's one thing to tell people, yeah, you know, what you're doing, you know, I I love you no matter what, and and I want to be here for you, and no matter what you do, I'm always going to be here for you, um, but I want to be honest with you, versus, yeah, just do whatever you want. Hmm. I think the latter is a fake person. It's really hard to critique your friends, though. It's really hard to do that. 
if we're talking about our same friend group, yeah, there's a very good mix of secularity and Christianity. Yeah. But where but where none of us actually feel uncomfortable with each other. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Leave that in. Okay. Speaking of uh, satanic things, Darian, do you want to talk about mullet life? Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> that, okay, so that was something I put on the. Uh, you don't um, even have a mullet anymore. I don't. I buzz my hair, kind of, not really, a little. For context, I had really ugly long black hair, and I am a natural blonde, and that destroyed my hair for about three years. And uh, roughly when I wanted to start going blonde again, I just wanted to buzz it all off. But my barber was like, that looks dumb, so we're just going to give you a mullet instead. And I got a mullet, and it was really nice for like two weeks. And then I realized because of the consistent hair dyeing, I started having a receding hairline. And my, <gasps> my mullet did not look very good when I'm in the summer consistently going under the water and just seeing my receding hairline. <laughs> It is much better now, and I've been trying different things. Um, I actually haven't done any of the, like, traditional, like, anti-receding hairline stuff. I just wash my face more. And it definitely works. And honestly, not putting any product in my hair has also worked. But I'm not sure if that's a scientific thing. And don't prove me on that. But my hair is back to normal-ish now. And it's really <laughs> nice. But I would also go back to the mullet. I'm just too lazy, too. And also, I have very straight hair, and I don't think it looks good on people with straight hair often. Hmm. You think it looks better on curly hair? Absolutely. Absolutely. So two that. of my brothers are, like, ethnic, and they had mullets earlier this summer, and they both have curly hair, and it looks phenomenal on them. To each their own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should get one. No, please. I will yeah, do it. Well, please maybe Karina, stop. Karina, you should get one. Karina, you would look great with a mullet. You would look actually so good with a mullet. (laughs) I was going to say, that's not a compliment that I would look good with. I don't think I would. Also, I feel like people would be lying to me if they told me that I did. I know when people are lying. I know when you lie to me, Seth. What? I know when you don't actually like my outfit. Okay, I think you look great in whatever you wear because I love you. I I don't know how to answer this. You look okay. Yeah. Recording for for audio listeners, I have this weird comedic timing thing that just makes me look at people in the eyes all like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just speak really slowly. I don't speak very slowly. Also, if I was to down this whole Red Bull, I'm not sponsored. If I was to down this whole Red Bull I have right in front of me. Red Bull sponsor us, please. Please. You can afford a new car every year for F1 team. You can afford a sponsorship for me. But also, I would talk like double the time of this podcast, and that would be a problem. Mm. I can talk for about five hours how to build a PC if you guys would like me to. No. <laughs> no. Guys, this stuff is so important. It yep. really is. I think it is so important to discuss your worldview and your experience with other people. Why are you guys laughing at me? You're trying to hit the world count, word count as well. Okay, no, I'm trying to create a creative conclusion okay. and an articulate conclusion. Okay. How about you conclude the episode? You know what? I will. Wow. This is cool, guys. This is the end of the podcast episode. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> and it's been a great night. Thank you guys for having me here tonight. Wait, wait, wait. You can find me at it's underscore D-A-N-E-Y-L. 
at Karina underscore B04. You can find us at the underscore introvert underscore study on Instagram and Facebook. We also have a TikTok as well. Where can you find you, Darian? Uh, we can find me. I can find me. I just changed my Instagram handles. It should be Darian M G D. So it's D A R I E N M G D at Instagram.com. All right, we love you guys. Peace out on Twitter. Thanks for (laughs) (laughs) Peace out on Bye guys.